In his song, Happy, Pharrell Williams proclaims, happiness is the truth. On Tribute to Happiness, we speak with guests who are putting this truth into practice, sharing their stories about what happens when happiness becomes a genuine focus. Tribute to Happiness is brought to you by Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer, Heather Svein Bjornsson. Hello and good morning. This is Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer. One does not get appointed as a nation's chief happiness officer. It's a choice. It's a choice about how I want to serve my country and community, about addressing something critical that's missing in society. Listening and gratitude are things that are missing, especially in our work lives. Add those two things and positivity and productivity take off. Leave them out and work becomes routine, performance mediocre. Let's explore some new ideas and thinking about happiness at work. Let's also look at happiness at home and happiness in life. In this episode of Trippy to Happiness, I have a semi-famous person, as in, like, the person has written a book, and the new book is called the the happy leader be a happy leader be a happy leader i own the book and i <laughs> i have to start no i will not start again so be a happy leader and the author is over to you in the united states of america Actually, I'm in Canada right now, but I lived what? in the United States for 20 years. Okay, can I'm, I? I'm a Canadian American, but I'm currently west coast of Canada. Can I truly have everything wrong in the beginning of this conversation? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, can you then? So, if you're a Canadian, can you say my favorite Canadian word? About. About. No, 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 you have to say it. Can they, like you, oh, don't you have you know, it? I'm, I was living in the States for 20 years, so my about might be not so Canadian anymore. Oh, I love about. it. I, yeah, yes. And I, I just like, whenever I know there is a Canadian, wherever I am, and I'm just like, oh, this will be fun. And then it, then this, then the word comes, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm sure my Canadian will come out throughout, throughout our conversation. Hopefully. But yes, so yes. Tia Graham, you are my guest today. So why, I wonder why, I wonder why you are my guest. Is it because you wrote the book, Be a Happy Leader? Well, and we're also chief happiness officers, the happiness cells around the world. Yes. And we both smile a lot. So that's like, we are we are like the Colgate uh, advertised, like we are, like our teeth are just like, Hello. <laughs> but tell me, tell us a little bit about you. Why is a Canadian living in America and all, all sorts of stuff? Like, tell us a little bit uh, about your journey up till this book. My journey up till this point. Okay, so... I grew up in northern British Columbia, Canada, middle of nowhere, closest town was 45 minutes away in a little log cabin without a TV or phone. And my parents worked in the ski industry. So um, very uh, 
simple, simple upbringing for sure. Um, I had multiple challenging childhood experiences that taught me a lot about happiness, taught me a lot about choosing happiness. And I talk about one of these stories in my book about my dad after some really rough years, choosing happiness again. And um, thankfully, my mother is American, so I have dual citizenship. And after living in freezing Canada for 20 years, I decided to move to the Hawaiian Islands and I transferred universities and went to the University of Hawaii and got a degree in travel industry management, basically the business of tourism. And started off a fantastic uh, career in the hotel industry. So I led sales and marketing teams for 14 years in the Hawaiian Islands. I was in New York City. I was in Istanbul, Turkey, and then in Los Angeles for eight years. And um, I became a leader at a really young age at 26 years old. I had no idea what I was doing, of course, at 26. And I learned and had the had the experience of working for really happy, inspirational, motivational leaders. And I also worked for the exact opposite, toxic, negative leaders. And when I was working for those type of people, I remember thinking, how is this person in such a position of influence? How is this person leading so many people yet they treat people so poorly so that was a really big one of the big motivators to write be a happy leader and then um five years ago uh when i went back to work after having my second daughter i was struggling with my own happiness um balancing my career and marriage and kids and everything and that was a a catalyst pivotal moment for me to actually um, look at starting my own company. And so I, I basically built my company, which is called arrive at happy on the side while I was director of sales for a hotel in Los Angeles and have just been educating myself. And, and I fully left the hotel industry in 2019. But, um, so I, I became a certified coach and I studied the science of happiness and applied neuroscience and then became a CHO with, with woohoo Inc. And um, yeah, so basically have have built this company and I, and I work primarily with, with leadership groups and organizations to teach leaders how to be happier and teach leaders how to create happy teams. And um, yeah, then, then my book came out last month. So that's, that's, that's a quick version of, of my life. <laughs> how on earth you don't sound a day older than 29, like just like me. Oh. Just like me. Oh, I'm 42. Thanks. Oh, oh, so I'm younger than you. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. I have been 22 since 2002, I think. Perfect. It's a state of mind. But right? I, you have. It sounds like you have your life. Like you have done so much and experienced so much. And and interesting about this life in the wilderness or in the remote of nothing because when you say that my first question I, like the question that popped in my head was oh, and when you saw tv what did you do <laughs> it's like, yeah my mom so we had a tv but it didn't we didn't have cable or we didn't have anything and i remember the first time i remember is she brought home 
maybe because uh, maybe from Colorado because my mom's from Denver, Colorado, and she brought home a a VHS tape or maybe it was a beta and, and one of them and you know put it in and I remember her showing it was Sesame Street you know but it was recorded and I remember obviously being completely wowed and you know <laughs> yeah. sitting there like watching it um but but yeah I think you know in, in a way there's so many blessings uh, you look at today right yeah so many blessings to not growing up with a lot of technology and I mean, we played in the snow and we skied and. <laughs> so, so you were lucky enough that you had more siblings. Like you were not only your parents and you. So you, you maybe were. Right, I have two younger sisters. Yeah, so you, so yeah, you so had the company were... of. Uh, that is also important because you need to. Have... Yes, of course, have siblings. There weren't really any other kids that lived. We just lived on a little street that had eight houses, but people didn't live in the houses permanently. A lot of the people they were like their ski houses, but we lived there permanently. Um, but I took, it would take me an hour and a half each way to get to my elementary school, you know, oh. through the Rocky Mountains. So I had, I went to this little schoolhouse on a, um, it was on a native reserve. So most of the kids were native, but, so I had friends at school and then yeah, siblings at home. One and a half hour each, each way. way. Oh my, that would the be- Kindergarten in grade right. one and yeah. yeah. Can you imagine your own children doing that uh no yeah. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> right? without technology I think yes to, you know without looking at anything it was just but you mentioned that it must bless you in a in a way like can you remember some stuff now because now you have two kids and you are living where you're living and you are and you have been it sounds like because you were in this industry, which is truly hectic, the the travel industry and the hotel, like everything is going just do yeah, do do do. Yes, so busy. So yes. so so, how could you? What did you do when you were just overwhelmed over something, and then did you go in your own mind, or did you did you practice in that sense? before we uh, knew that something there was something called mindfulness. So how, how did yeah, you go right. inside, like when you were just, you wanted to scream yes, your- Yes, yeah, like what did you do to like f find your inner like calmness or what, how, okay, now I sound like a guru. Yeah, but, no, like, no, it's a great, no, and I, I, only, I only started practicing formal meditation and mindfulness about five years ago when I was starting my company. Prior to that, I never had. Um, so the first thing that that comes to mind and what I've always done is exercised. So, and, and exercise has, even though I didn't have the term, I didn't say it was meditative or, you know, be, being present, but throughout my life, whether it was hiking or skiing or snowboarding or running or yoga, or, you know, even going to the gym and lifting weights. Like I have always loved exercising because not of the way it had me look, but the way it made my mind feel. So pr pretty much my whole life, like through high school and all adulthood, I've been the type of person that four to six days a week I've exercised. And that's just been a part of my identity, a part of how I've lived. Um, and then also time outside you know, whether it's hiking, going for a walk, like I said, the skiing, snowboarding, you know, um, that, and my mom 
you know, always, we did, I didn't grow up very religious, but my mom is quite spiritual. And so as a kid, she would always say to us, mother nature is our church. Mother nature is church. And so I I just grew up with that belief. You know, I, I think I, even though she said it, it wasn't like she was trying to brainwash me or anything. That was just what she believed. But I, I, you know, I definitely took that on. So I think exercise in nature is how I have always stayed centered and balanced. Um, and the last thing is I've always been quite, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. I've always been quite, I'll just say quite good or quite strong at getting enough sleep. So I've never been sort of this sleep deprived or I've never insomnia or, you know, when people are like, I stay up working till two in the morning. I'm like, what my, I like, you know, I, so, so I think sleep has been a way that I've always sort of stayed balanced also. But talk about the like that your mother has said that mother nature is the church. It, it's more like she must have taught you to be good with yourself. Many people, me included, for many years, I, I, I never could sit in silence. When I was driving, I had to have music or something to like make my brain focus on the singing or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so maybe in a sense, because what is God? Like it can be whatever. It just so as long yeah. as you connect with your inner self because that it mm-hmm. must be something within yourself and the because lots of this stuff that we are talking about regarding happiness is you have to be in alignment with yourself isn't it yeah yeah i'm thinking of like yeah it's your your you know, your spiritual being and then the relationship with yourself, right? Yeah, the relationship yourself is so crucial. And through now formal meditation, because I do a lot of guided meditations, I meditate every week, not every day, but I meditate at least several times a week. And I am becoming more and more in tune with myself. I think as, as life has got more complicated, I feel like life has got more complicated being a parent as opposed to when I was single or just, you know, had a boyfriend or a husband being a parent, there's there, it's, it's a different experience. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a, it's a crucial piece. And it's funny because someone asked me yesterday, you know, it's so uncomfortable sitting in silence for one or two minutes. You know, how do I, I, I just overthink and I, you know, and it's so funny. It's like, we're judging ourselves. No one's around. And I, you know, and I was saying you got you got to get comfortable with that uncomfortableness because it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And and that that is also the the worst enemy is is our brain sometimes because we how many thoughts do we have yeah, every day and, and we yes. are always demeaning ourselves and stuff. But yes. happiness at work and uh, be uh, your book be a happy leader. Uh, you. Had the, we had met like uh, several months ago, where you talked about how you were, how it was um, built up, and what you thought about it. How can you just go through like the stages of it? When when did you realize that? Oh, I have a book in me, like because that is not something that you want to do. Just like wake up and maybe say, 
hmm, I will write a book. Or like, right. what, when and why did you start this journey? And, and of course, maybe having a kid can alter your vision of life because mm-hmm. you push everything aside and you just have this little human being and just like, ooh, I made this. So it just changes everything. So tell us a little about the journey and how and what people can expect when they go through the book, just so so they get the notion of of the book. Get a little bit about it, yes. So um, when I started you know, running Arrive at Happy, I, I, you know, do give talks to companies Work, you know, do, I was doing workshops at workshops and leadership masterclasses and, and starting to do keynote talks. But very quickly I realized, okay, there's only a certain amount of people that I can impact that I can, you know, touch every single year. Of course, I'm trying to inspire and, and teach as many people as possible, but it is, it is just me, right, doing this right now. And so I was, when I became involved with the National Speakers Association, met a lot of different people and a lot of people who had books. So I was, that sort of started my mind of like, oh yeah, a book, like that's a way you can, you can get to, to many more people around the world. And the, the, the moment where I made the decision, so I was at this conference in San Diego, um, and it was a conference called Influence. Brendan Bouchard, who's a high-performance coach, author, speaker, this really motivational guy, his event. And um, there's an author and a speaker named Rachel Hollis that I follow, and she got up on stage, and she, her, I think her sixth or seventh book became wildly famous. But no one has even, no one even knew about her first six books. Like, you know, she was nobody. And then it's like her seventh book and she sort of exploded. And she got up on stage and she said, am I allowed to, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast. Oh, yes, you can. Okay. So she got up on stage and she said, write a shitty book. (laughs) Just do it. It doesn't matter. My first six were horrible. Okay. My seventh became a New York Times bestseller. You have, she basically was like, you have a book in you, write the shitty book. And so in my mind, I was like, I can write a shitty book. You know, I was like, I can do uh, that. Yeah, yeah. And then at that same conference, there was, you know, 3,200 of us at the same conference. There's a woman that sat down next to me. And of course, you know, you're like, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? The same old boring questions. And this woman sat next to me and said, Um, I help authors write their books in 90 days. And I was like, what? 90 days? And she goes, yeah. People work with me and they write their book in 90 days. And I was like, give me your card. (laughs) So a few months later, I reached out to her and I said, okay, I want to write a book in 90 days. And I hired her to be my book writing coach. And um, I wrote my whole manuscript in seven weeks, actually using, you know, as a coach, so it's a very fast, I mean, it was hard work, but it was, you know, I did it very quickly. And then I had this manuscript and then got it, you know, edited and proofread and all that. And for the second part of your question, what people can expect is. So you wrote the manuscript for be a happy leader in seven weeks, seven weeks, start to finish 14 chapters. That is not 90 days. Well, I spent the first five weeks researching, planning, 
organizing, understanding my words per hour. So it's this, it's you, you spend five weeks, the whole, the whole process was, was 90 days. The actual writing part was seven weeks, but for the first five weeks, it was, um, researching, planning, strategizing, organizing so that when you're ready to start writing, you're ready to go. I thought for a second that you were some, some kind of a superhuman or whatever, like seven weeks. I was just like, it, wah, wah, wah. Mm, yeah. pretty crazy, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, anyone listening who wants to write a book, let me know. I'll introduce you to my coach. Yeah. She's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, and fantastic. yes. And now this a second, but now you, now I will allow you to talk about the second part of my question, which is the uh, context of the book. Yes, yes. So <laughs> the book has my eight-step methodology to be a happy leader. So I created eight steps, and these steps are based on my personal experience, my leadership experience, leading teams for 14 years, and then all the different you know work that I've done over the last five years with Arrive at Happy. And then it includes research from positive psychology, neuroscience, coaching, um, happiness at work. And it there, these eight steps are the first one is start with you. So it's how you, you need to start and be a happy human in order to be a happy leader. So that's the first. And then there are um, personal development, professional development, business strategies on how to be successful at work, how to have a really happy team and how to be a happy human. And the book is also filled with personal stories and other people's stories as well. So um, it's not just sort of theory and do this. It's a lot of people have told me it's like it, it feels like there's this human talking with you, sharing their struggles, too. And then also, you know, how, how to how to have this journey. So that's what people can experience. So, yeah. So it it, it is like people sense the the commonness or like they they can like they can feel like they could be yes. you or they could be the person in the book or whatever but what yes. what is it's what? not like a it's yeah it's not like a science you know no, like okay, a yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you you feel like people get to know me a lot reading this book yeah but how, there's but, a lot of personal so so if we just talk about what is in your mind the biggest thing with happiness at work because when we talk about happiness at work a lot of times people say especially leaders oh we are not into this soft mumbo jumbo oh this blah uh, uh, and you're like why is this a soft skill why is it that humanness is a soft skill do you have mm -hmm. to be the bad boy or a bad girl or whatever bad person? Like, what is the biggest take in your experience over the years as a leader and, and sassy businesswoman, if you like? Like, how do you see it? How, what do you tell leaders today about happiness yeah. at work? Yes. So I actually was on a radio show yesterday and the gentleman interviewing me, he was a very successful hotel owner executive. And he said, he's like, I saw your book and I was like, what? I don't believe in that, you know? And so I, I face skeptics all the time. Of course, by the end of the radio, I'd convinced him and he was like, we're going to have you bet. Like he get it. He got it. So I think there's a lot of myths and misconceptions around 
happiness at work, of course, and, and happiness in business, you know, it's soft. Does it, does it fit? So for people who are skeptical or people who see it as soft and it's sort of this secondary need, I go straight to the research. I talk about people who are happier are more productive people, salespeople who are happier sell more. The brain operates differently when you're positive and people are more creative and innovative teams that are happier will not, you know, engage happy leaders will have less turnover, which directly affects the bottom line. Happy employees create happy customers, which drives revenue. So that's for, that's where I start when, when people are skeptic and I actually share the Oxford research, the Harvard research, the Berkeley research. And, and, um, you know, there was just a big study that came out with from four, maybe it's three or four positive psychologists where they did a five-year study with over a million people in the military that showed that happy, imp- happy workers in the military are more successful, get more, get promoted faster, you know, advance their careers. So I, I don't even understand like the whole soft skills, hard skills, you know, I understand from my experience and my, what I teach is that you need both. You have to focus on the results. You have to focus on, on driving the organization forward and you have to focus on relationships and how you treat people. And if you only focus on one and for the people that think it's being kind, being caring, how you communicate with people, how, you know, that there's emotional contagion and the way that you treat people really affects their business results. If someone doesn't understand that, they are severely hindering the performance of everyone that they lead. You know, they are, they are stunting their growth and they're, they're not allowing their people to achieve their full potential. So I get pretty passionate about it when, when people say, you know, it's soft or it doesn't belong in my mind. I'm like, you're, you're, you're a leader of the past. If you don't understand this, you're a leader of the past. But why is it that in the modern day, why is it that if all the research show that happy people, they like do stuff and happy people, they like all of the things Some that are more yeah, productive, more yeah. motivated. Yeah. And, and why is it that the leaders, have you, ask them or had have you made this like on your path and if you have both the positive side and the negative side and when you look at it and you ask yourself why is it that the negative ones they must be afraid of something okay a they don't like themselves i gather that must be the biggest issue that you don't like yourself and so you treat others like mm-hmm. sh- shit. Like, but where is it that you, when you're comparing your work life, both the positive ones and the negative ones, like when was it? Like, what what was your conclusion in your mind? Like, what were they the negative ones lacking? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I agree. So one, I agree on the on the part that. I always say happy people don't hurt other people. You know, if you are well and centered 
and healthy in your mind and your body and your spirit, you are not going to be mean and toxic to others. So the first is understanding that, yes, these, these people are, are struggling in their own life. And then they're bringing that to work because everything is interconnected. The second is so many people have not been educated, have not been taught about happiness at work and how to be a engaged, positive leader. We could call it positive leadership, right? As well. So many people are in their mid forties and they've been leading people for a long time and no one has, has ever actually put them through an educational training program so that they understand, Oh, this is what drives experienced happiness while working. You know, I was fortunate that at 26 years old, I went through a week long program. It was called leading Starwood. I worked for Starwood hotels and it was about happiness at work. They didn't call it that. They called it leading Starwood. It was a week long, you know, nine to five, but so many of those things that I learned in my first year of leadership are, are, are what I learned in Denmark as well, you know, in 2019 that still sticks. So I'm extremely thankful for that. And then also there is a, let's call it a regime there's a type of leadership that has dominated business for many decades and it's not happy leader. You know, it's being authoritarian. It's being a director. It's this sort of top down do as I say approach leadership by fear, you know, leadership by demands. And, um, I know I experienced that type of, of leadership in the hotel industry as well. So we learn also from what we experience. So if you have had these type of leaders and these are successful, powerful, making a lot of money, getting promoted type of people, how are you going to think that, oh, this is the wrong way? You're going to think, oh, okay, this, I guess this is how you lead people. Yeah. I was just thinking about uh, my next question was to be about when you became this leader at 26. And as you said, you didn't know squat. Like you were just I like boo, thrown into yeah. it. Because often when you get the promotion, you your own self-belief says and tells you that you are qualified. But maybe you are not qualified. like Because nobody teaches you to be a leader and nobody teaches you how... And then you get the sense of you have to be authoritarian and you have to like do this and do that instead of talking to your people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just, yes. so it, it's luckily for us that you got this week of teaching. Yes. And I will say I had, I, even though I was thrown in and I made so many mistakes and I, you know, you know, was, 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 was swimming, trying not to drown in, uh, you know, in this, in this big job for someone that did not have the experience to be in that job. Thankfully, in addition to leadership training, I also had some incredible mentors, mentors who were great people leaders who were inspiring and motivational and who, and whose team members love them. So that also helped me along the way um, that I 
I knew, you know, I knew they were great leaders. I could see, I could see them around their teams. I could see other teams interacted with them. And so I reached out to several of these people. This was in the, when I was working in the Hawaiian islands and I was part of this leadership group, there were 12 of us leading the sales teams. And so I, my, my intuition was like, okay, they, they're great. They're they're Yes. They're, they're crushing the numbers and their people are motivated by them and inspired by them. And so I would set up calls and meetings and, um, because I was learning from my own director and my own boss, the general manager of the hotel, but there were also areas where I thought, no, okay, that's not the style that I want. And so I think that's really important for people is sometimes formal, if formal training isn't offered to you or formal mentorship isn't offered to you, you need to create your own mentors and your own relationships. Yeah. And, and decide to do stuff and then act on them and then, live and learn. It's always like mm -hmm. you have to go through this circle of trial and error. Yes. You can't be perfect every time. But yes. but so so now we know what drives you and what, why you wrote the book in like seven weeks. That's totally different story. Um, how so if we because I know you you are a busybody because you are really popular. How is it that happiness at home what do you do? Okay, you have mentioned a little bit what makes you tick. But happiness mm -hmm. at home, you've got two small kids, yeah. everything, you have a book and radio shows and podcasts and do babbery. So what makes happiness at home for Tia Graham? Oh, yeah, that's such a great question and, and so, so crucial. Um, so the continuation of sleep exercise i try and eat healthy food and now you know i meditate so that's that's a foundation um it's about doing this and i'll just share what I, what i currently personally do to 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 stay happy and to stay well is i go on regular date nights with my husband so we get a babysitter we go out for dinner we try different restaurants um as a family we go skiing quite often it's winter here in canada so that you know is is a lot is a lot of happiness i i would like to do more of it but at least a few times a month i go for dinner with friends and and you know have have friendship time i had more of it before the pandemic so now sort of getting back into the 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 yeah just investing more in in friendships as well um feeling feeling aligned internally with focusing on my business focusing on my clients and growing my business and playing and being present with my daughters so i know i get unhappy when i feel like my equilibrium is off and it's not about balance in terms of hours you know same amount of hours working same you know with with parenting but it's about um it's just this feeling that I have when I, when I get unbalanced and it, it can go either way, like, okay, I need more time for my business. Okay. No, I need, you know, not more time with my kids. So just tuning in and noticing how I'm feeling and, and that piece as well. Um, humor is a big part of my life. So uh, my husband and I love watching stand up comedians and shows like Saturday night live where you actually laugh out loud 
Uh, that's, oh, you know, when we lived in Los Angeles, we would go watch live comedians a lot, mm-hmm. not so much where we live now. So now it's, you know, the Netflix comedians, but almost as good. Yeah. Um, and you know, then time with like my mom, dad, sisters, family time as well. And then, um, what gives me a lot of happiness is learning. So we were talking about it before we hit the record button, but, um, reading books, watching Ted talks taking courses, learning from people, um, learning and growing, whether I'm learning about happiness, learning about parenting, learning about growing my business. I spend, a, I, I almost could say I may be addicted to learning, but I know learning makes you happier. So learning is a huge, huge part of my weekly rhythm, if you will. So, so those, those are the main things. Do you remember when you were at work and you had these shitty bosses or shitty leaders? Do you remember when, 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 because when I was at work, I remember when I was going to sleep and I lay on my pillow uh, in my bed and I was just like, oh yes, I have to do this tomorrow. I have to do this tomorrow. And almost everything I thought about, well, like there was always this continuum of stuff that you had to do so if you make if you have all these things like you are a busy woman like and you make maybe a list or something are you do you punish yourself because you did not do that or are you just like oh well it was not meant to be today like because many people fell they, they they fall into this grave or like they they fall into this trap that and I know it from myself, I know it from my wife, because she was going to do this, she won, and yada yada, and then the brain starts, you are such an idiot, or whatever you do, how do you talk, like, how, how do you solve, because that can also affect the happiness at home, because you have, you don't want to, like, you want to be there for for your husband, you want to be there for your kids, you don't want to be there for your business, you want to be there for, like, there are so, three of you, you yes. have mentioned everything that, and you have only 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. so, and I sleep a lot, right, I told everyone I sleep a lot, yeah, so, so you, so, and so you have maybe have to take the eight hours away, so you only have 16 hours, so, like, yeah, I sleep, yeah, I'd say I sleep probably seven, seven and a half, So I used to be very, very critical of myself and harsh with myself. And over over time with years, I think with more wisdom and learning, uh, practicing self-acceptance that I, um, I talked to myself differently. So I used to have a mind that would always say you didn't do enough. You didn't get through that. You only did this. It wasn't enough. You're not good enough. Especially when I was, um, you know, in, in my corporate job and all of that. So now I'm, I, I move slower. I would say I'm more intentional. I move slower and what I, and I've reprogrammed, I'm not perfect, but I have reprogrammed my brain and, what these thoughts look like now, and hopefully this is helpful to listeners, is you did your very best today. You did get a lot done today. You didn't get through everything. You will never get through everything. 
Your massive to-do list will always be there. You can only do what you can do. So I, and, and I believe me, like everyone else, I wish I had way more hours to work. I wish I had more hours to parent and be with my kids. Like you said, we all only have 24. So, um, yeah, I focused a lot on acceptance and also like say, you know, for example, it's like, I'm doing this interview. I have a, this call. I have, there's these certain things and it's like, go get my kids, do this. And now I, I say to myself, Oh, like you did those five things as opposed to, Oh, you didn't do those seven things. Yeah. You know, I, I focus on what I did do versus harping on myself for all the things that I didn't get to. Yeah. That sounds great. Absolutely what we, what people should think and great, great words. And also to remind people of that uh, happiness is not that you should be happy and singing and like you are not in the sound of music 24 seven. So that's not it. That's not. And that's not the goal and it shouldn't be the expectation. Ever, never. But the final question is happiness in life. What is I gather that it, it must be your kids. Like, it, it, or what? What is it that like happiness in life? What brings you the most joy, or or what? Uh, like happiness in life. It's a bit like a big question. Yeah, yeah. And this for is the last me, one. <laughs> yeah, I would say for me, it I honestly is both. It's work and family. You know, for me, I wouldn't say oh, kids are the most, or my you know marriage. It's it's the the blend or the stew, you know, yeah, yeah. of of all of it, you know. I um and also, and I'm so glad you said it because no, there's no such thing. Like you and I know a lot about happiness. We know a lot about happiness at work. There's no such thing as being happy all of the time. I have horrible, miserable weeks and challenging months, just like everybody else. And so it's also about understanding and expecting that side of life also you know that and 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 that nothing ever lasts forever um but but to be honest and answer your question i get equally as much happiness from work as i do from friends and family it's both yeah and and i wouldn't want just work or i wouldn't want just all family you know, I, th- I think having both makes you appreciate each other. And that is absolutely right. I think it's just a balance. Like you have to figure out a way to be happy where you are. And and remember, it gets easier. Uh, gratitude is something also that we can practice. Just be grateful for all Thank the good God. stuff uh, and thankful yeah. for the stuff that you have. But mm-hmm. don't focus on the things you don't have. Because mm-hmm. that will never be successful. There's but, always going to be lots that you don't have. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I honestly thank you for it. Has been a, a, a like I don't know. It took me almost nine months to get you here because you have been so busy. Because you are uh, like you are a successful author. So, but as always, I have a surprise for you, and those who listen to me, they. Maybe I'm the only one who finds this very funny, but you have to say an Icelandic word. 
An Icelandic word. Yeah. And I will say okay. it. I will say it only once and you just have to try to focus and blurt it out. <laughs> and if I laugh, okay. it's not it's not because it's you. Like okay, it's you. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. So can you say the word Hljóðuver? Hljóðuver. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, I'm never going to say it as well as you. I know, uh, but <laughs> it's the studio. It's the oh. studio I'm sitting in. Like, it's just Hljóðuver. We Icelandic Hljóðuver. people, we have to have Icelandic words for everything. And yes, nothing is... Yes, I want to come visit you. Yes. Oh, my God. You're welcome. And it's just like my name, Hjerðin. Like, no, that's why it's just like, if you call me something with an H, I will just like, huh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It has been fantastic talking to you, and and, and I too. just I can't recommend your book enough. Uh, like because I know what's in it, and I I know, and you presented it so great that I just ordered it instantly, and 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 I know mm -hmm. it. It's just, and the book cover is great because it's a thank happy, you, happy thank face. you. Well, yeah, you can people can get it. There's paperback, ebook, or audiobook. We were saying earlier, if people want to listen. And when you talk about the audiobook, who is reading the audiobook? Could me. it be could it be Tia Graham? Yeah. It's me. I read it myself. <laughs> You're so famous. Ah <laughs> Thank you very much, Tia. And and just best of luck with everything. And I I hope uh, be a happy leader 2.0 will be there in I'm thinking about the next book. I'm uh, thinking about it. Yeah. So just thank you very much and have a Great months to come, and, and I hope summer will be great and just life ahead. So, thank, thank you very you, much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. This has been the Tribute to Happiness podcast. Tune in for next week's episode. You'll find us on social media.